Welcome to Whacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album or a band or an even entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of its time. And like all great podcasts, this one here is a direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refused to die. Having said that, let's meet Tape and the other Tape. <laughs> hey, I'm Noah. I am the mild man. <laughs> oh, rebranding, huh? Already. Uh, well, I am the true believer. Uh, and in the beautiful words of Lou Barlow, just give me indie rock. Just give me indie rock. Just I'm your... give me indie rock. <laughs> Do you guys hear a robot? Uh-oh. <laughs> Introducing. And I'm your host, Caleb, your radical centrist technocrat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah. uh yeah well we made it guys we have a we have a full-on sixer of episodes that's fucking pretty sick Woo, sixer Congrats. baby we're kicking it at the emporium yeah moon got tower we're gonna sixer, hit the moon baby. tower got a couple sixers you with us you with us yeah, yeah so wait live. caleb i think you told me this one time that beer was never sold you either bought a six pack or a 30 pack. There was no such thing as a 12 pack and a 20 pack. Like until like the eighties or something. Yeah. What? As your, as your younger brother, but also grew up in the seventies. Uh, <laughs> definitely verify that's true. Uh, no, I think, I think I did hear that somewhere where it was like, yeah, it was like super small retail amounts or like basically wholesale. Amount. So you'd have to buy a flat of six packs. You couldn't. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really sound like a problem to me. No, no, I can, I can de- I think that. So, talking six packs. Um, what's your guys' favorite six pack? Uh, I'm old school. I like Beck's. <laughs> Schlitz. My grandfather drank Schlitz. You ask me what my favorite beer is and my favorite artist. I have one answer: Beck. <laughs> what's the one that sports Trump? That's the one I like. All of them. Coors, Coors Banquet, baby. Yeah, all of them. Cobra Kai. I was talking to, uh, or my wife was talking to our friend uh, Candice, shout out. And she's also a Coors original drinker like myself. And she was like, that fucking Cobra Kai show. I swear to God, all the Coors originals selling out. Donnie Lawrence, yeah, totally. He drinks (laughs) drinks the medicine bottle one. Oh, all right uh, that's well, well i think it's like pretty appropriate we're talking about beers and sixers because you know we got a party ass album to go and it's also adrian happy belated thank you uh, yeah it's your little post-birthday episode so it's all time to celebrate, celebrate and have a good time so caleb here on wacker slaps we're using pitchfork.com's uh kind of best new music list and today we have Daft Punk's Alive from 2007. And um, it's a live album, just a warning. AKA and, Alive 2007. Which yeah. Is, and uh, what did uh, Pitchfork have to say about this album? And I'm sure we'll get into some of Pitchfork's. They had a tumultuous, tumult, tumultuous, the fuck? How do you say that word? You're having a tumultuous time with that word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
But their relationship with uh, Daft Punk is fraught, to say the least. But what did they yeah, say about the live album? So they actually gave it a really good re- review and score. The score is 8.5. It got a best new music. It was reviewed by Ryan Dumble, who uh, he's been around for a long time. I think he still occasionally writes for Pitchfork. And the excerpt I pulled is actually just the blurb that they have at the top of the, like when you go to the site and then they have the little blurb to get you to read the review. This is, I just felt like this one summed it up pretty well. Playing like a flawlessly sequenced and paced greatest hits album, this live set finds Thomas Bangalter and Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo connecting the booms among their three albums while officially cementing one of the year's most rewarding and welcomed comebacks. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. It's our first live album, too. Which uh, Shout out to live albums. A comeback for a band who's had nothing but unmitigated international success. Oh, see, well, like, that's the thing, though. Uh, (laughs) We'll get a little bit into it in the background, but at this point, it definitely did feel like a comeback. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, yeah, you you mentioned it though. So what what is the background on this uh on this album? So as you as you guys have said, uh it was recorded live at the and the, uh, hopefully I'll get this right, but um the Palais Omnisport du Paris Bercy on the 14th of June oui. 2007. Oui, oui. <laughs> and uh, it was produced by Daft Punk themselves. Um released by Virgin Records who are their longtime home. Uh, on November 19th, 2007. It's actually their second live album. Uh, the first one also is called Alive, Alive 1997. Uh, and then this comes two years after the release of their third studio album, Human After All. This recording is it captures a show from um, a tour that they began in 2006 and extended into 2007. And it was pretty you know, well-received. I think a lot of people thought you know, at the time they were saying like, this is one of the best concert experiences ever, like in the history of concerts. I definitely remember people saying that, but you know, they had the big pyramid that they kind of, you know, uh, controlled everything from all this custom equipment to remix and rework the songs. Uh, ecstasy of- was flowing. Trebian was the ecstasy. <laughs> oh, the ecstasy. Yeah, there were little, was, uh, uh, Eiffel, the little red Eiffel Towers, I believe, is what was <laughs> <laughs> what the pressies were that day. One was the robot head. Yeah. You, 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 you buy two doses of ecstasy. They both shaped in the helmets of, of these guys. Yeah, like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there a Daft Punk Pez? I'd get that. Oh, I got they do the way that they market themselves, especially after, um, you know, that other record. They, uh, yeah. they definitely, I'm sure they definitely have that somewhere. We'll um, have to do, maybe we could do this later, but like a top five headgear for just like music. Oh, there. that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great top five. We'll have to, uh, revisit let's that. Put, let's put a pin in that. Put that in the ledger, as yeah. uh, Joanna Newsom would say. Oh, nice. The log. The log. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, so this, I think part of the tour, you know, part of, part of the reason they got so much hype is that they had this really big show at Coachella, um, which when I was reading about it, I forgot that that was the same year like Madonna appeared and some other big heavyweights, but you know, everyone was just basically, I think Kanye also headlined. Um, but everyone was talking about this fucking Daft Punk show. And, uh, if you watch some of the videos and there's tons of them on YouTube, you can just see like, yeah, it's a fucking crazy show. Like I can imagine being there. And if you're, you know, 
inebriated uh, in in any myriad of ways, uh, it would be a fucking, you know, a life altering show. Um, but the record itself, uh, it got pretty much critical, like acclaim instantly. People viewed it as a kind of summation of their uh, career at that point. It definitely plays like a greatest hits and um, a lot of the reviews basically said that. So uh, it was a really smart of them to kind of break apart their songs and put them back together in really new and novel ways. Well, you know, kind of reminding you like, oh, these songs are bangers, but also like we can still play around and have uh, new things to say. And I think especially after... Uh, human after all which was kind of disappointing you know i actually don't even remember it coming out like that's how kind of a flop it was that has uh, my favorite song of theirs though is on that album i believe well, i mean that's then well that's the thing is uh that after this album was released the the live album i think people revisited that one and were like oh we may have been too harsh on this coming after the you know monster hit that was discovery yeah, I guess it's the one album that just doesn't have like a huge hit single, right? Would that be the complaint? Or is uh, there something on there? Yeah, I think there's nothing that, you know, certainly nothing that reached the heights of Around the World or or any of their other, you know, monumental hits one more time yeah. or whatever. But uh, yeah, so that that's kind of where they were at. And I think that's why it did feel like a comeback because they were kind of at a low point. I think they also released... And I always forget the name of their their film. Not the not the animated one they did, but the, they did another one that was like an art film. Oh, Tron. Something. Tron. Tron Legacy. And this, yeah, <laughs> no, that was that was later. This yeah. was. It's called like Echo Rama or some something Rama. Um, Future Rama. But it flopped, and the other record kind of flopped. So it, this did feel like a comeback at the time, and I remember you know. Uh, I remember people, you know, saying that at the time as well, and and certainly all the yeah. reviews point. Well, that it was out. weird, Adrian. I remember hanging out with you from like 2007 to 2008. You kept wearing this like robot helmet, and I was like, "What is, what is that?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, "Do you get a motorcycle or something?" And you're like, "No, they're back. The boys are yeah, they're back." What's <laughs> well, right, cool. I, I had a question. Wait, 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 one question, real oh, of quick. Course. So these guys, Daft Punk, are famously robots. They dress in robots, and um. Are there robot people? Like, you know how there's like steampunks and stuff? Is there a robot faction out there that's like, we are the weird ones, sir? And they're like at Burning Man, like steampunkers are? I mean, there's got to be, right? Yeah, there's got to be robot people. Robot people? Like, just do a little Pornhub search for robots. <laughs> yeah, just like, let me see spray what, my data up. all over yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. That's how you find out about any fringy shit in the world. Uh, through that uh yeah but you know you touched on adrian by them being a huge international success and being a like a noah you were saying that's a really you know well-known band and um you know we always do the the segment of what was their deal and i don't think we should skip over that at all like i think you know they were a pretty huge band like Mm -hmm. especially internationally you know they're very much luminaries of international dance music um, electronic music edm yeah and also and they came out of a pretty well established like what was called french house so i mean they're they had a pretty big cd you know up until this album or even when they broke amongst the indie crowd and kind of the the milieu that we focus on on this show which is why why we picked them they weren't you know just some you know huge ibiza like edm band you know they, they definitely they had crossover appeal um 
for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that should be said. You know, like I mean, for a lot of people, crazy. A lot of people in the states probably one more time was their first experience with like house or whatever techno. What would you even call that one? But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like they they were they were hitting on a lot of different things. You know, whether it was like disco, house, techno, and then later just straight up pop music you know mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah they were kind of like sure. hitting all those friend all those four quadrants and did really well them. for themselves it was them and share remember the share the do you yeah. believe in the yes was that, that time order. in the of course late 90s of like international pop sensations that like yeah were super clubby very european style very and, european and can can we just get out of this out of the way am i allowed to say euro trash <laughs> i think that's okay that's okay. Are, I mean, Europeans have done. Shout out our European fans. Yeah, I mean, you're we're not Europeans talking about you. Kinda, uh, we did get a like. People. We have one like on Twitter, and it comes from a British band called something Backjaw or something. Can't well, remember. Noah, where you been? Uh, Britain's Jack no longer Jaw. part of Europe anymore. So Jackjaw doesn't. Oh yeah, they left. <laughs> it Brexited, bro. They're they're also uh, British right wing extremists, so <laughs> <laughs> just par par for the course. But yeah, just it's kidding, fellas. Cra- yeah, oh. it's pretty crazy that this band had full on singles, like without having like really minimal vocals and basically instrumental. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. being completely anonymous, at least to us, you know, the the American uh, public. And that's you know that's pretty crazy. That's like that's definitely of note. They do have like a pretty flawless gimmick though. Like just the whole, their whole look to it. It's very, like I was trying to think of other bands that kind of became like an iconic fashion. Like Devo would of course come to mind. Also headgear, probably the top five headgear. Um, But I was also thinking the way they wear like leather jackets and stuff, like how the Ramones were so defined. Yeah, it's all about about their iconography. Yeah, Yeah. and how they became kind of anonymous. Like the Ramones guys like changed their name to the Ramones. They're like one. One They're not a band. They're like one thing. Like a. They are. They confused me too. Oh, I guess in my personal history, I'll touch on that. But I was always like, what is a Daft Punk? Like, yeah, what- they're not punk for the record, right? <laughs> so that I can um, I can tell you that that comes from a, like a, some shitty review that they got when they were they were a punk band originally. And they like self they admit that, you know, they were fucking shit. So uh, but they got this review and it's called them a bunch of Daft Punks. And so they're like, fuck it. Let's take that and be the Daft Punk. It was like Let's the it. uh, Led Zeppelin thing which I believe was also a review when the yard birds or something were, were splintering and um, Jimmy page was going to start a new band. And somebody said, that'll go over like a Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, and he was like too soon, mate. Hindenburg was just, <laughs> just a mere 20 years 25 ago. Years ago. <laughs> I do want to touch on something though, before we move, um, move on is, is that even though that these guys were huge, they were still getting name checked by like James Murphy, you know, they were still cool despite the fact that yeah, they were totally. fucking yeah. gargantuan. I mean, they were in a fucking gap commercial for fuck's sake, you know, like they were, you're touching that on level. a game, Adrian, oh. my, my, my game might be spoiled by the time oh. we finish with this. <laughs> we can always pivot to the headgear game. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mean? Totally. I, I want to bring up something too. I think we'd be totally remiss in our, um, you know, roles as serious music journalists. Uh, if we didn't address, address Daft Punk's adjacency to, uh, what Noah is called groove robbing. Yeah. I did not make that term up, but yes. Oh, okay. They, Anyways, but I mean, isn't that what they're, they're they're essentially DJs, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. their origin? Yeah. Yeah, but it, it came to light like um somebody sent me a video and it was more in the context of the Discovery album, which is really big. And it's literally called like Discovery. But I mean, they they're this video did like side by sides of like them not exactly sampling a song and what song they were, yeah. you know, kind of ripping from. And it's pretty one-to-one stuff. It's not that much of a stretch and so, i mean the, is the controversy they don't credit these artists is that what's happening or? i mean they, I, the, I think the controversy is with anything that's around um groove robbing is these are like pretty well-known white european djs who are capitalizing on lesser known mostly black soul and disco artists from the 70s and 80s yeah for sure. and i think them being french in a post-colonial kind of context that's a little suspect and i think it should you know be be called out and acknowledged um yeah but also within the context of dance music and sample based music it's you know part well i mean the europeans they always they always seem to respect american black made music more than the united states does often definitely true i mean if you look at like british invasion you -hmm. look at disco how disco was a respected art form in europe before it was here in the united states so i mean there's a tradition there yeah and i don't think like if if you and i i'm not sure if they've addressed this directly in any interviews but i think if you you ask them about it they would be they would instantly be like of course these are are these are we revere these artists we love these artists yeah you they've know? never it, been shitty or cavalier about it but like, no being and they collaborate like, oh. with you know uh yeah. like r&b singers all the time people of color yeah. right I, d- yeah. I just wanted to call it out to acknowledge that there's definitely allegations of it that are totally yeah. you know on the level you know of, of them just pretty much lifting things and Hashtag um cancel daft punk Hashtag yeah you could see it on fox news daft next to punk. like uh uh mr potato head and uh dr seuss daft punks just next and in the cancel culture, which we are a huge part of, we are pro cancel culture here on <laughs> Whack or Slaps. Yeah, but, cancel um, the show. Let's get it trending on Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Call for your own cancellation. That's how you get. <laughs> that's how you get a. That's how you get notoriety. But yeah, I just I just wanted to put that out there. You know, at least you know air it out and you know know that we acknowledge it and that um, we're definitely it's it's a part of our critical lens. We're not just yeah. totally you know escaping but it but what is their deal adrian what do you think what would you say well uh you know as we've been kind of circling i think they definitely came out of uh, a scene you know there was other artists doing this uh, kind of uh you know french house french you know french touch is another one i've heard um another term I've heard around uh, that genre it's I think what what these guys have captured is like you you mentioned before is that they they had the pop sensibilities almost you know from the start 
you know, they even they're kind of more because their first record is certainly much more house oriented, you know, homework. That's that's homework, right? Yeah. Yeah. And see, I did uh, my homework. Yeah. But so I think they're just coming from this this scene and then they explode because they have kind of the ability to to traverse both the the -hmm. kind of the EDM world and the pop world and, you know, to bring kind of uh, it full circle, like to back to the the disco roots of the things that they were probably as DJs, you know, into, you know, and and kind of yeah. bringing it into the new millennium, you know, and it I, has think, that, I think, sorry, go ahead. It has that DJ sensibility where they really tap into a tempo and like a beats per minute kind of thing where it's just oh, yeah. like, this is the groove and we're going to ride it. I mean, this whole live album is what an hour and a half and yeah. it basically from about song i would say like four to like song 13 is just one long like we're gonna get you to dance type like driving beat totally. so they, they do what they do very well and they don't really like fuck with the formula all that yeah. much they're, in terms like of their textured, technical their technical abilities stuff. as djs like what you were saying no of like riding the rp rpms right and like you know manipulating the crowd and all that and that i know there's a certain amount of artistry but also there's a science to it they're great at teasing, like they're it's, teasing it's the definitely crowd on too. display like yeah. that they're that's their background and they know their shit when it comes yeah to that. this album's interesting the live album because it'll be like i think i think by the third song they've teased around the world like three times yeah like they, they, yeah. Pe- they peppered it in there so the crowd's like it's coming soon it's coming soon and then when it does hit they only play it for like a couple minutes and then go into something else but it's yeah like, they always totally. like they, they have that carrot in front of the audience yeah. just like and that song comes, trips me out too because i remember being like 1990 i would have been 10 when that song came out and that was played like at the fucking jogathon like in our elementary school <laughs> yeah like that, almost, that song was all over the place and if you think about that song as like it's it's a dance song but as like a pop song like being played side by side whitney houston or whatever kind of shitty insipid rock music was also popular at the time that's like a Pretty weird song fly for a white guy exactly yeah <laughs> around the world <laughs> yeah around. and it's like a song that's like it has two words in it or three words in it and it's like completely repetitive but it's, and it's so played much by better completely anonymous people so it's like weird that that was a breakout hit you yeah. know and i think that's like good on them for that but it's so much better than say like another euro trash thing <laughs> like uh i'm we're blue, going with it like the i'm blue lava yeah totally oh, right it, it yeah. doesn't or sound even like, like the the aqua the barbie world song or barbie whatever, world. it doesn't like, sound like a gimmicky novelty 90s. yeah it doesn't sound like a gimmicky 90s song when you actually listen to it and like put it in your headphones it's like whoa there's a lot of texture there's a lot of shit going on in this song and it's like one of the all-time earworms like yeah, they have yeah totally all time like they have like five of the most all-time earworms where any part of your day if you hear a snippet of that song it's so like one more time would be one around the world would be one the bigger stronger faster longer would be one um then their later stuff the lucky song and then there was one more on that defunct the instrumental song yeah the defunct one which is just Ah, the riff yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but right on and i think i think we've more than addressed you know the background on them so let's 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 personalize it what what are your personal histories with with this uh album specifically because that's what we do here 
Adrian, testify, brother. Well, um, I, you know, I was definitely a fan of these guys before this record came out. Uh, although I, I think at this point, after, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I didn't even, I hadn't even realized that they had dropped a new album. So I wasn't really too, you know, it, I liked them, but I wasn't seeking them out as much as I was maybe earlier in the 2000s um, by 2007. Uh, but then the Pitchfork review dropped and I read it and I was like, oh, yeah, like these guys, they, they're they good. And, um, you know, I think another thing that happened around then is I picked up the um, DVD box set of, you remember, I forget what company was putting these out, but they were just music video directors like a yeah. collections. Oh, there was like there was the like, David Fincher one, the Michelle Gondry yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. They only, they only ended up doing like five of them, but yeah. And, I think, and then they yeah. had the Sonic Youth, the videos of the Sonic Youth. And then I think the Beastie Boys had one, which ended up on the Criterion channel or the, the Criterion collection. Shout out Criterion. So, but so yeah, so uh, you actually, you mentioned it, the Michelle Gondry one. That's the one that uh, I, that, uh, I bought at the time and uh, he did, you know, those early really memorable Daft Punk videos, the around the world video with the, uh, you know, the kind of different costume people acting out the different elements of the song, you know, which is such a simple idea and yet so genius. And I think that really helped it push that song over the edge. I know, like you're saying it was everywhere. Um, so, you know, it, it was kind of in, in the air for me. And then, this record dropped and I remember I downloaded it right when it came out. Um, probably the, the day it came out and it's a super long record. So I don't think I got through the whole thing until maybe a few <laughs> months late through, through a few months, yeah. but I liked it a lot. And there's so certain tracks did pop out to me where I'd be like, Oh yeah, I kind of just want to get this little, this little bit, this little, get a little pump going here with this, you know, this, you know, whatever it is, the, the television rules of nation or whatever I chose that day. Um, so, you know, I definitely really liked the record, but uh, eventually it just kind of, you know, I think especially after the, the their next record, that the gigantic record, you know, Random Access Memories, after that dropped and then just hearing them everywhere, I kind of got sick of them and, you know, it kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, uh, these guys. So, um, yeah, that's that's it kind of became the soundtrack the to any wedding that was DJed by like a by a Spotify playlist or like an iPad. <laughs> It's basic, yeah, basic that was kind of like basic yeah. bot. It's basic bot music, basically. Yeah, basic bro music. You're a basic bot. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Noah? What's your uh, history with this band and and this album specifically? Yeah, I didn't have any history with this album in particular. Um, but with Daft Punk, yeah, of course. Just as a kid, knowing who they were and like seeing them with their robot costumes and being like, I, I, don't, I don't know what that is, and like just kind of ignoring it and it was weird then as a pitchfork devotee in the early 2000s they had such a fraught relationship with um daft punk like where they slammed the 2001 album discovery only to then put it on like as the third highest uh album of the decade for the 2000s so they kind of flopped on it within that 10-year span and so I did go back and listen to Discovery at one point in my life, but I don't know. I just never like this style of dance music was never like my bag. And I've, as I've gotten older, I definitely I'm super into craft work and like 
Trans Europe Express is always on pretty heavy rotation at my house. Me and my wife, Kiki, listen to that all the time. Wifey's got a fun house. Shout out. <laughs> and um, I have been slowly collecting all the Brian Eno ambient uh, records. So, so for me, when it comes to electronic, I like just the more warmer sounding stuff. I get like prettier mm-hmm. sounding stuff for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like a great dance album and like a really hyped up sound. Like, you know, like everybody dance now is one of my favorite songs. And I think <laughs> Daft Punk definitely has some of that energy. Oh, and, yeah. uh, but I didn't listen to this one. And really the only before sitting down to listen to this all the way through, uh, the only Daft Punk album that I listened to was the Random Access Memory, and that was just like on a road trip with my older brother. Because I so think we- you were legally obligated to listen to that album in 2013 <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it, came out. it like, was. I think, yeah, you were. And it was weird. To- that was like such a disco reclamation point in American history, where it was like disco was the 70s, but for like, like- the fifth time though, too. Like, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. <laughs> It's like, yeah, of course, most classic rock is fucking trash. Like, there should be disco yeah. stations, not fucking classic rock stations. But, uh, um, not to mention all the classic rock guys, like, they ended up making yeah. disco albums. Like, but I yeah. love, I know that's so true. That's the cocaine. Uh, <laughs> but I love like Niall yeah. Rogers, and it was great to see him getting his time in the sun again you know it's always good to see him he's such a badass guitar player i love she rhythm guitar player specifically shout out one of the best ever one Um, of the best producers too i mean yeah yeah absolutely and he's trying to get the artist paid he's trying to really rework songwriting credits that's like been his mission the last like 20 years of his life yeah man mad respect to now shout out now rogers he had some health problems i hope he's doing okay but um yeah, so anyways, I was very open to listen to this album for the first time. This is kind of a new, for the format of the show, it's kind of interesting to do a live album that's like essentially, essentially a greatest hits. But uh, I think it was a good choice. Like I've always, yeah, Daft Punk has always just been like, like I don't know, like confusing to me or something. Like I just never sat with it very much. So yeah. th- that'd be my and, and- limit, limited history with this band. Right. And to give the listeners a little bit of like how the sausage was made, we specifically chose this album because the band just broke up. So we're trying to be relevant. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, no. Dude, oh, no. Sorry. No. I was so looking forward. I just got to into them. them. I hate when that happened. Them live. That was like oh, me and Apta like... driving in 2001. Fucking broke my heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you still had that. Yeah. Poster, so my uh, relationship of command true. poster. I'll go into my history with this. Uh, I have no actual history with this album. I did not know this album um, existed until it got suggested that we do it based on the criteria and then breaking up and things. But I definitely knew the band. I knew like the, you know, the super popular songs. And I know they had a bit of a like resurgence of relevance um, kind of through the European dance music thing that was happening that's kind of co-currently happening with uh indie rock i feel like in the, the mid aughts i feel like um you know your pitchforks or your spins or whatever all these publications were kind of backing off or maybe sharing space a little bit with um indie rock to talk more about 
what was happening with electronic based music and dance music specifically and world out expanding the world a little bit like yeah totally European and i feel like that influence. those two i feel like there's there's parallels with indie and also with I mean, this is a pretty huge band, but they touch on a lot of more underground and kind of like live music based scenes. And I feel like there's a little bit of a parallel, um, I don't know, evolution with those two bands. And I feel like I feel like they shared a lot of uh, coverage and things like that. So that's kind of how I this band came up to me again. I had a roommate in college and he was really into um, electronic music, but he, he liked to some of the dancier stuff like specifically the ed banger which is also french uh label and kind of satellite of bands like justice came out of that and then i remember like specifically that band or that dude kravinsky and like justice. mr uzo we'll definitely we'll do justice one of yeah these justice days. well we will do justice to the justice band that taught way. us how to spell dance yep <laughs> yeah so i remember like hearing those bands again and um you know, in like 2005, 2006. And then I think through that, somebody would play Daft Punk. And I was like, oh, Daft Punk, the dudes with the helmets, the around the world guys. And it's like, no, they're actually like, their background is in like kind of underground club music and all these things. And I thought that was like interesting how they kind of came full circle into the little bit more of like the indie milieu. And um, yeah, that was cool. But honestly, I didn't really have much, that didn't have much legs with me beyond that. Um, I thought it was interesting because it was at a time where the the nature of the live show was changing. And I think that's what kind of a lot of bands rode that where it wasn't just, you know, like bass, guitar, drum, singer setup. It was like bands were more of like eventizing like live shows and definitely with festivals. But then there was also like people doing yeah. DJ residencies at art spaces and in clubs and things, you know, in major cities. And well, you went for like, cause you're not really going necessarily to like see Daft Punk. They're going to be mm -hmm. behind like a pyramid behind helmets. So they're kind of at distance of the crowd, but you're going for the Daft Punk experience, which now entails, you know, they went from playing club band to the whole uh, dance music, is it's moved out of the clubs and into just the festival like we're gonna party like it's a whole scene uh like it's just one big party is basically what dance music is now it, it went it's yeah. out of the house it's on the the lawn at a right. music festival <laughs> right but i mean i think like kind of the, the the phase before that it didn't have to be this super you know like constructed piece of music it could have its lineage you know based on more experimental music or electronic music or all these different yeah you know different scenes and approaches at once to kind of create to synthesize to you know use a pun um to synthesize like the sound of a band and they, they yeah they could kind of come from a bunch of different sub pop music um places and you know i thought i thought that was cool it was it was like interesting to hear that and you know to get like super twisted in 2006 and you know shake my butt at parties to it and then but after that you know it, Daft Punk specifically not electronic music or dance music by any chance by any means like that all stayed with me but Daft Punk specifically yeah it was like no saying didn't rear their heads I was like at a party in San Francisco and like whenever that album came I was like 2013 14 or whatever and that came on and I was just like oh shit this is everywhere. And yeah, so 
that's where I went with it. Um, yeah, let's slide into our current reactions. Noah, how'd you feel revisiting this album? Yeah, like I said, yeah, this this was the first yeah, time a visit. And I'm kind of glad we did a live album because, you know, we haven't been able to go see live music in so long. Yeah. And it made me want to go to like a raucous show. Probably not this one, like on like a soccer field with like 200,000 fucking people. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, yeah, no, thank you, Frenchie. Back off, Frenchie. (laughs) But uh, yeah. I thought this album for the most part, it slapped. I mean, it is kind of hard to like judge it a little bit because it is such a greatest hit. So it's like, it's, it's, it's different than listening to like an album where you could see kind of them. You could see more of their songwriting or something and what this one, they're just, you know, they're, they're working the crowd. So it is, I think the energy is just like amped like all the time, basically, which makes sense. But I just thought this album, what they do really well is they their their songs are very simple, but they're very textured. So they, they actually aren't simple. Like they have a lot of layers going on here and a lot of sounds and noises and stuff. I guess the song structure is simple, but the the just they really pack a lot into to everything they do. And there's, there's stuff I don't like, you know, this is kind of similar to talking about like um, our last album we did, the architect where there's so many parts to one song that like some, some of it works and some of it doesn't within the same song. Um, And that's just the live element of it. Cause they're, but I think with this, it's like completely earned. Like the way they transition into things is like, pretty excellent yeah that's what i yeah so it really captured as far as live albums go like i think that's what you want to get out of a live album is you want the songs that you know but you want them to like really have a flow with it where they're like they have the audience in the palm of their hands like i think that's what the best live albums do where they mix and match their hits but then they let songs play out and really bleed into the next song and they just get into a groove but i think this album definitely gets into a groove it may have felt a little long for me. Like I think it could have ended with like 10, 10 songs maybe, or like 11 songs. And like the last two songs feel like an encore kind of they had to come back. Um, but yeah, it was a fun album to listen to. I listened to it a lot on my headphones, like walking. I found it to be a really good walking album. Like I'd, uh, I walk a fair amount at my work. So I'd have some, headphones on from time to time and definitely like after work i'd like like huh, put on daft punk go get a tall can from the liquor store <laughs> maybe fire up a, one of them little those little cigarettes ecstasy doobies the twisty the twisty cigarettes <laughs> and i was like yeah and i'll i'll hit up dude i'll, I'll get a sack and uh i'll fucking stay up all night i'll i'll call in sick um, I'll get, I'll get called in to my manager's office <laughs> and they'll be like, dude, what is going on with you? And I'm like, I'm a man in my mid thirties who just discovered Daft Punk. And I don't think I can go back. I think yeah. I am a, a Daft Punker. 
I'm converted on this like, album. Like you're not wearing your required work uh, uniform. You're wearing like the satin jacket from the movie yes. Drive. Yeah, yeah. I came in with a <laughs> toothpick. You show up to work looking like that, like smoking a cigarette. They're like, is a toothpick? They're like, how do you have a mask on and you're rocking a toothpick? That's, that's and smoking a cig. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I had a really fun time listening to this album. It is long. It's dense. Uh, but I think it's a good, I would recommend this for somebody who's trying to get into Daft Punk. I think obviously like Discovery is their like album. And then of course you could just listen to the hits, like a greatest hits comp. But I think this really gives you a good idea of what they do. And like just what they do is they rock a show. And it's probably why they called it quits because they haven't played a show in so long. They're probably just like, man, eh, what's the point? But yeah, that was yeah. my current reactions yeah um I, yeah i can go into my reactions on this um i too i i had no idea when we you know got assigned this album that it was a live album i just thought it was called the live and i was like oh that's like a cool name for an album um <laughs> it's like kiss it's like alive. Kiss, yeah but i should have put it together that's also a live album but um and by the way kiss sucks Kiss um, Alive is actually one of the most fake live albums you'll ever hear. That's yeah, true. Overdose That's City true. on that bad boy. Yeah, which is yeah, this is for another another pod. But uh, yeah, I didn't realize it was a live album. And um, of course, when I like I queued it up, it said Alive. And then when I looked up out the background, I was like, Oh, that's cool. I haven't really ever, aside from jazz, listened to live albums. You know, so it was a cool experience to kind of put on that mentality and yeah it got me pumped it's like they're really really catchy and they know how to work the crowd and um it's really impressive how they use um like rock music formats how they basically have like riffs and licks and shit and they do it all with their synthesizers and it made me think about like how there's all this like pearl clutching that rock and roll guys have ever done since like hip hop, but now they do it about like EDM and dance music. Oh, it's killing rock and roll. It's like, no, it's doing rock and roll kind of better than you did. Cause it like, it gets the crowds pumped. It's texturally super dense and uh, musically dense. And that's what people want to hear, especially in a live setting. And uh, I thought that was like super impressive. And I liked all the, like the futuristic vibe. And, you know, I kind of forgot that that was their, that, that was their whole thing you know and um yeah it was just yeah i had fun it sounded sounded good i feel at points it got a little bit too euro for me you know got a little douchey um that's not really my thing but at least like they lean into it sir passports are the yeah exactly for your visitation today yes yeah, so i'm going to a visa um <laughs> Yeah. So like it's not like it's like it was like Steve Aoki who's actually American, but like Whoa, you know, it, it shots didn't... fired. <laughs> well, come on. Um, you know, it didn't fully transition to just like the douche dub kind of shit that is douche so popular dub. now. Yeah. And um it, it but it got to the precipice of that, and I was like interested to walk out on that plank, but never really you know dive into it um and you know they embrace it too and that's kind of like who they are and that's like that's admirable and um I, i'm really glad though i did listen to it in headphones like had i been listening to that like out loud in my apartment or at work i think people would kind of have a different Dude, Caleb, perception they'd be like what the fuck are you, i had the exact same note i was like i'm just gonna like have a private little party 
Dude, Caleb, myself. I had the, the good the exact, record for for social reasons. I had the exact same <laughs> note, Caleb, when I was bumping this in my apartment. Actually, every time I listen to an album on my stereo for this podcast, I get a little embarrassed. Like I'll hear the <laughs> the neighbor go out to like walk the dogs and walk their dog. And uh I'm like, oh, sh-. they're probably wondering, like, why is this dude bumping one more time at like like 11 30 in the yeah. morning is he at a wedding <laughs> <laughs> is he doing a zoom class like a zoom yeah. workout class yeah totally so like yeah so that's just a little out of context when you actually hear it but um yeah with within the context of a live album it's like pretty excellent you know it's pretty fun i think the robot voices are really cool i mean um but some of like the sampled vocals and kind of the more r&b or kind of cleaner vocals they do didn't really work for me found myself a little little cringy there um and like noah saying like it's it's a slog of an album it's pretty long but then again i think of myself at a concert and about hour and a half minute or hour and a half mark my dogs are barking i'm getting a little tired you know i'm either like going back to the bar a lot or like hoping it's like oh maybe yeah or blacked out or like Maybe they don't do an encore. I wouldn't mind that much. I think I got my full money's worth. So, yeah, overall, it was really fun to listen to a live album, though. Like, it was like, you know, I can't, uh, can't wait for that to happen again. I definitely, this won't be my first. Well, it's impossible now with them breaking up, but I definitely won't go to like a dance electronica band uh, when I go back to see the live shows again. But yeah, it was cool to, you know, get kind of primed up for it. Nice. Adrian. How'd you feel? Your thoughts? Yeah, so, you know, um, uh, pretty much the same reaction as you guys. Uh, uh, I was a fan of it before, um, but now, as I mentioned, I hadn't revisited it in quite a while, and I hadn't really listened to any of their music in quite a while. Maybe when they came up in the Spotify radio or whatever on other playlists or uh, stuff like that. Um, But this yeah this was a it's just such a fun listen like you guys are saying it it it's executed so well that it sucks you in and it's like almost hypnotic but not quite hypnotic you you just you you get to become one with the groove i think at some point when you're listening to this and it it just whatever you're doing it kind of like you're saying no if you're you're walking or moving around it just it 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 has this bounce to it and this flow to it that really works um I actually was listening to it while I was working and uh, it, it worked pretty well for that. There's, I, I usually like something a little bit more low key for that. Uh, but um, for our listeners, it's cause you're a hacker man, right? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I hack into mainframe. You're like Neo. You're yeah. like Neo from the matrix. Yeah. 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 Like follow, <laughs> it's follow perfect. It's white, perfect for that. Follow the white rabbit. That all, this <laughs> whole album. I kept thinking about that scene, even though in that, in the matrix, it's, um, it's uh, Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but I could see them doing like around the world. Yeah. Like, Actually, dodging, like anytime I listen bullets, to like, anytime I listen to electronic based music, like I always think of like in terms of like future futuristic heists of some sort. So. <laughs> uh, did did either of you guys watch the um, the going away video that they posted? At all? Yeah, it was pretty good production value. That was like two no. million dollar breakup video. Well, it's a the it's a cut from one of their movies. Oh, okay, that makes yeah. sense. But uh, well, so describe it for us, Adrian. 
I didn't watch it. I I, I kind of just saw the uh, screen I caps. It. Yeah. Well, what? So what? Uh, so what did it entail? It's the Daft Punk. It's Daft and Punk. That's their names, right? One of them's named Daft, and one of them's named Punk. Uh, yeah, yeah like sure. and Croft. Yeah, they're in the desert, and uh, they have all their gear on their leather jackets. And then one of them turns around, and the guy like flips up his like circuit board in like his back of his leather jacket. And it's like do 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 do, and it's like you will self destruct in ten nine. And then he just walks off into the distance and explodes. It was yeah, the tall, cool. the tall one yeah. exploded. The one with the sideways visor, I think, is the tall one. Uh, I didn't know they had different. One's tall, uh, one's short. Differentiate themselves. Yeah, they yeah. they they have kind of unique personalities with the with all their costuming. I would say their leather jackets look fucking sick. They're made by like Saint Laurent. They're oh probably yeah. Like, 20 grand a piece but they're fucking nice um yeah but to get back to to my uh experiences now i yeah i, I so i listened to it a few times all the way through um but w- what i did more of i think is uh return to a few different tracks and just kind of let those play out maybe like two sections of two or three or four tracks where i just felt like oh this is the this is a great groove for like you know 20 minutes or whatever because these tracks are they are pretty long most of them um oh, yeah about six minutes a song almost yeah but you know it, it it just it it plays like an exquisitely you know curated dj set which is what it is and it's just the production values are top notch because it's these dudes who also are you know geek out on the equipment and the sound of it and they really are entertainers you know like they bring what they have whatever that is of like they're just compelling even if they're fucking wearing masks you know they just know like you're saying no how to motivate a crowd which is it's crazy that this i didn't realize this but this was their last tour ever ever and, Whoa. yeah they didn't tour around random acts uh what ra- the ra- fuck yeah yeah that's baller that what you were saying adrian about it being the live album what i thought was so cool from the get-go is just the added sonic layer of the crowd like the yeah. whole time it, like i don't know if they like eq'd it differently or how they mic'd it. i mean i'm sure they had a whole approach or if they like piped it back in through like a dub or whatever but that is like kind of like the the um the ghost in the machine kind of part of it like it's like this it's this yeah you heard third, a lot of uh it's this the third, crowd it was like yeah there's like i feel like you go to a you go to a baseball game and they're like hot dogs here hot dogs there it's like baguette cigarette baguette you hear that you hear all those textures no but um yeah just like you can hear the crowd the whole time and it adds like a density to everything else it's like a third instrument well it adds an energy too you know like you you get like you can hear the people getting you can hear the they are so good at manipulating the crowd that you can hear kind of the ebb and flow of people like you know dance like you can tell the moments when people just start dancing their asses off you can feel that energy through yeah. the through the music through the yeah. through the recording Did you guys notice you can that literally part? hear where they take their second ecstasy <laughs> yeah i have that in my notes is like the third time this just, just correct at one point you can hear someone cries like oh everyone spread out. i dropped it i dropped it <laughs> at one point you hear a guy he goes judas because 
they picked up a acoustic guitar rather than they went they, <laughs> they did the reverse the uh, reverse, dylan. reverse dylan and then and then uh what's his name guy man turns to Gee. the other geeman turns to the other guy and he's like play it fucking loud <laughs> um that's a great double album uh live the dylan royal albert hall yeah, that's it. Oh, that was another thing I wanted to touch on. It's interesting that you got uh, you're talking about how you haven't really listened to too many live albums. I think that's kind of a dying breed of like a dying category. And there are like a lot of really good live albums. I mean, sure, there's plenty like we mentioned, Kiss. You know, where it's overdubbed and it's not really live. You know, the Last Waltz comes to mind in terms of that, where it's it's mostly them live, but it's also got some. Yeah. Robbie Robertson, the Thin you know, Lizzy live and dangerous live is dangerous. also basically yeah. a studio album with, but crowd. they're a way better band than Kiss. But that that album's fucking like killer. Yeah, but in terms of like shit. a straight yeah. live album, I think that also is kind of a, like spiritually really similar to, to this is is the Talking Heads. You know, um, stop making sense. Yeah, for sure. In terms of just like the way that they can you know curate their set list the way that they can move the crowd the way that they're playing with the emotions of the crowd you know reworking the songs in new ways like it's it's and that's i think Noah, you touched on this but i think that's what really makes you know the live experience compelling is like i mean we you know we've all been to these those shows where the band plays the songs and it sounds just like the record and you know they have energy and it's fine but when you can go to a show like you know, we've talked about Animal Collective before and, you know, say what you will about their live show. It certainly can be hit or miss, but they're always trying new shit with those same yeah. kind of fundamental. They're trying to find Yo, that show we went to, wasn't that 2017, 16 or whatever at the Fox in Oakland, the beer NATO time. That was that show was <laughs> fucking banging. That show. Ooh. I think that was yeah. like 2012. I think that was earlier, but oh, sure, yeah, that, that was, was a while ago. But that's and I think that's kind of what these guys were doing, you know, captured here is that like they have the stems they have the pieces that already they know like these work and to put it together in this package is just it's you know they nailed it they hit it yeah, out I of the think park they gave they gave the crowd what they want it's like they didn't fuck around too much exactly if you're here for the hits you're gonna get that if you're here for like the, the crazy freak out parts you're gonna get that if you want a couple hidden gems you're also gonna get that if you just want some like dj parts just straight goofing around on the synth you're gonna get that you're gonna get all the drops like you're gonna get the mashups um, and one thing like that i think this record also did is it helped recontextualize the human after all tracks in such a way that like in hindsight people are like oh that we really were harsh on that record maybe that's there why they a stopped lot of touring they stopped touring because they're like you guys didn't like this shit well here <laughs> here it is live and that's the last yeah, you're gonna get told you told you it was fucking good <laughs> you know what album it reminded me of Adrian? talk about just great live albums was the mf doom live from planet x oh yeah where it's yeah. also like a medley rest in style. peace shout so, out yeah shout out r.i.p the god so i'm gone over it god. um but how it it really catches these grooves and it gives you a lot of medleys and a lot of songs. Just it's just dense. Yeah, yeah, it's just fucking great. And we are back. Yeah. Oh, Noah, where'd you get that beret and that and that helmet? <laughs> oh, looking this good. is uh, uh, this is robot helmet by Saint Laurent. 
It's uh, oh nice. It's eighty five G's, but hey, you know. Yeah, our this podcast is killing it financially. So you got to gotta, gotta spend money to, to make money. You got to pay to play, <laughs> <Yeah>. baby. <laughs> Um, all right speaking of pay to play um if you paid to see this band and heard them play what uh what slaps and uh let's go into that what are your slaps guys who wants to who wants to go first slappers 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 that was pretty good i must say that was a pretty good robot yeah, dude. If if they ever get back together, like, do you guys need the robot guy? Who? What is that voice? What, is that a program? Well, how are they doing that? Are they singing? I think oh, it's, it's uh, um... Iron Man guy from Black Sabbath. <laughs> they just got they just got him. They're like, we want the best. Give us Iron Man. Well, they do do that for Brainwasher Man. It's like I am Brainwasher Washer. Remember, Mister right, Brainwash. Let's not shoot the load to. Uh... Mr. Brain, who's Mr. Brainwash? He was on that Banksy documentary. Oh, right. Mm. Exit through that aged so well. Yeah, <laughs> I love, Daft Punk I love might Banksy. even make a cameo in that. Who knows? It's a very 2007. Yeah, movie. we can't. There's no way of knowing if they were in that or not. It's completely anonymous. I don't know when that movie came out, but it's very. Uh, right, well, it's time. Let's go around the Zoom. Around the Zoom, Adrian. What are your slappers? So uh, I had a few that I wanted to call out. Um, I like the funk slash daft and direct. Uh, mainly, I think that the the reason this slaps is because even though that they this set is so reliant on them kind of recontextualizing things and moving things around and brushing things up against each other, like on that track, they smartly just said, you know what? let's just pl- let it play let the fucking track be the track and people ate it up. like you can hear the crowd just fucking react like uh yeah. it, it just goes over so well it goes over gangbusters because it's like they just let it go and it's such a good groove that it's indelible and you know and then they you know they morph it into daft and direct which isn't like a nice little kind of um segue type uh uh song so uh, that was one that I wanted to call out. Um, I like the intro robot rock a lot. I think that was that really captures a lot of what they're going to try to do with the rest of the record, which is, you know, mix these two elements together, get the energy going, build to a crescendo, let the beat drop, let it ride, get another crescendo and let it drop again. You know, the, it, it really paves the way for the rest of the record. Um, but the one big one that I thought uh, kind of in a way almost anchors the record is around the world slash harder, better, faster, stronger, um, which obviously two of their biggest hits. I don't. Hey, you're I can't like a singles re- guy. <laughs> they basically yeah. match up, uh, mash up, just like two of their biggest hits. Yeah. Yeah, and you know this was around the time that Kanye is sampling them. You know, I hate that Kanye song. Stronger. Yeah, that 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 won't kill me. <laughs> So yeah, I, I I don't know. I just I have always loved that song, and I think this this mashup really works super well. Uh, and it's kind of in the middle of the record, although kind of more towards like song I think five. you mentioned. Yeah, I think you mentioned before that it, after about uh, song three or four, then it kind of hits this. I think this groove. 
I think four to eleven is pretty solid, like forty-five minutes of music. Yeah, exactly. And I think that around the world is kind of some one of the ones that kicks it off a little bit, where it starts, it it starts that groove and sort of you know, because I think in I'm I that may I or may to... not correspond with the um the chemical peaking of um ecstasies. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this is one of those shows where they're rocking so long and you're like all excited you're all fucking on you're all high <laughs> you're like let me do more let me do more and then you realize like oh shit that was the last song and you're like uh I hey, what's the move after this i didn't time it right <laughs> I didn't time. then you gotta sit in like a car ride like an hour to get home and you're just like, that's in ah. paris it's like a moped right yeah <laughs> like, I need another. Uh, yeah let's hear let's hear a little little snippet of that yeah, so pop. here's a little bit from the Around the World section of the song. You know, and also kind of another instance where they they let it play and they're smart enough to know, like, this is one of our biggest bangers. We just got to let that beat fucking. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's where like half the crowd is. That's what they're there to hear. Like the you know, bass, the bass really not being too coy about it. Adrian, if you'd like, I have a timestamp for that song around the two forty mark is like, kind of like uh, the mashup of the two hits kind of really hits together. Yeah, thank you. No, here that's what's here. really smart about these this band. Like I was saying, they have that tempo, so a lot of their songs can be played on top of one another in a real smart way. Yeah, yeah. it's a pure science with with these dudes. Yeah, it's like economical. They're in the lab. It's economics. <laughs> so here's uh here's a little bit of that section you're talking about. yeah so like it just i don't know it builds so well and then they they pay it off in like three three or four different little snippets like that where they're rubbing things up against each other or bringing in new things and it just it's very satisfying and everyone in the crowds rubbing things up against each other too. Oh, so, oh, oh yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, that was that was Short my big slapper. Short circuiting. Now I have a question. So these guys are French, right? We oui. we. Oui. So, but all their songs are in English. We. Oui. Hmm. Yeah. Robots speak English. Well, I think a yeah. part of that. I've probably heard the is, explanation. I've heard is France what the explanation about that because they're so like. <laughs> no, no. Their, I've heard the explanation the from a bunch of different like people, and they say why they sing in English because they say that, and it's cringy to say, but it's like the international language of rock and roll is English. So well, I was gonna why. say like a I would imagine people from Northern Europe. I would say it's guitar you know, all over bass would be the language of rock and roll when it comes to like <laughs> song lyrics and things like, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, I think there's something to that. I think that, you know, they definitely were influenced by a lot of American dance music and American pop music. So I think that's probably why that 
they you know chose to make their songs be in english yeah. but you know like madonna speaks english we sing english <laughs> american yeah. audience disco rock but i i would totally listen to an esperanto rocker you know that'd be cool <laughs> that has to be out there yeah there has to be well it's probably some prog band from 1974 or something oh like magma magma made up their own oh right also french <laughs> shout yeah. out magma, Didn't magma it, what's his name ass. that's in that movie um the captain kurt i think he he might have had an album in Esperanza oh because he's in the movie. shatner shatner yeah and you might be right about that oh, um, but people got to wait for that on the patreon listen to patreon, <laughs> 70s minutia <laughs> yeah, but, uh, see what caleb you got a you got a bop yeah i got a bop um yeah, one song I really like. I, I, you know, like I said, I, I dug most of it, and it took some getting used to because this isn't, you know, usually my jams. But I appreciate, you know, dance music and things. But um, what I thought kind of fit fit the the feel of the whole album, but also very much spoke to me and what my interests are is um, the too long slash love streams. Uh, I think it comes kind of the beginning of the middle i want to say i think it's like track four or something um maybe five in there but um yeah if you want to hit it at around just from the beginning to about 30 seconds in sure. that uh that'll give you a little little taste of what i'm yeah, talking about i also had this as a slapper it doesn't sound like much in terms of like a banger, but it's also like it, the way that they're building steam and yeah. like, you it know, a sinister, the, sinister and, that, and I think it has the most like techno vibe. And like, I really like techno music, um, especially the Detroit stuff it is super dark and heavy and like, yeah, kind of has a malevolent quality to it. And I think they're kind of invoking that and just like the punchy drums. And they're also kind of leaning into their like personas as, robots as like these futuristic rockers you know and i think that has like a almost like detached inhuman quality to it but it's like super fun and like you can hear the crowd yeah. at that point just kind of like i have caleb really if you, getting if you'd like to indulge yeah. me here i have a timestamp sure. at around 245 i think it's oh, like dude, a, perfect i had that I, I exact same notes yeah it's a real like time downer song and it kind of reminded me of a song that could be played at like the end of like a episode of like scandal after like a big <laughs> a big reveal within this song yeah it gave me like yeah, totally. scandalous television vibes yeah dude i i already have that time step so yeah go right ahead and then i can uh, i can speak on how that segment is kind of like the second part of this banger yeah, here's uh here's a little bit of that Like Olivia Pope, you are your own mother. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's 
system. Yeah, what I had uh, what I had written there was like they were taking the Trans Euro Express over to Germany, and oh, it has yeah. total like Tangerine Dream and of course like Kraftwerk vibes and the Kamish music. John which is Carpenter kind of like the, vibes. Oh, yeah, yep. but like Kamish being like the electronic uh iteration of kraut rock basically um and that and that shit i dig the shit out of that kind of music like cluster and all oh, those yeah. bands like that that shit keeps me going for days and it's cool how they were to kind of bring up that and i feel like that's like um an earlier influence on theirs you know just kind of more based in their you know their european roots and um yeah i thought that part was really cool and like yeah you were saying no i didn't really tie it to a Shondaland, but um totally works for me just and then like also the end of an episode and then they would start flashing back to like reveal like like a yeah. character putting it all together in their head totally and um yeah and and also like yeah it has a cinematic quality because it kind of touches what they did later with the tron legacy and it definitely is like sounds like you know the the original tron and if you listen to it later, we don't have to go into it, but like later kind of past the four minute mark of that song, it kind of, you start to hear like the wobble wobble and kind of like the, almost like the fucking like the douchey kind of bass drops are about to happen with like the dubstep stuff. And there's a great, and then it tees up at five, it tees up around the world. And then they have a little around the world phrase, a little around the world, little reference in there too. Yeah. Which I think really gets people pumped. There's a great uh, drop around 5:45 that like really hits hard. Let's see, 5:45. Well, take the red pill or the blue pill. You know? Steve McQueen. That's pretty sick. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. Shit's good. And um, if I could just wrap up, um, I'm going to go too much. I think another banger is the Prime Time of Your Life Brainwasher, uh, oh, Rolling yeah. and Scratching Alive. That's the best song on the album. A big segment. <laughs> and um, what I like specifically is I think it's their most bugged out. I think it's the most like drug addled. It's kind of where the pill starts to wear off or starts to kick back in if you took more <laughs> and then shit just gets kind of dark and like, you know, things get a little Caleb, fluttery. dude, I'm on. We are simpatico on this one. In my notes, <laughs> oh, I, I put sec- <laughs> it's uh, song number 10. I put second hit of E kicking in right about now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I won't dwell too much on that because I think we said all we could say about that. But just where it's placed in the set and given, you know, this being France in 2006, I'm sure, you know, everyone's feeling it. But um, if you want to give us a little taste around 2.30 to like about the three minute mark. Yeah. And I will note that this is the longest song on the record. And yet it it doesn't really feel like that at all. Yeah. It's like eight minutes or something. It's 10 minutes. So oh, ten minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um. All right. So here's a little bit of uh, that track. Yeah, 
that's where the sprinklers start raining blood and then fucking blade jumps in, dude. <laughs> killing fools. Donald Logue getting his dick sucked in the corner yeah. of the vampire <laughs> club. Yeah, dude. Blade the movie. And then they have the little Iron Man voice, too, just to like kind of cap things off. But yeah, that shit bangs and it really hits me in my uh my techno my techno Can you heart. play the brainwasher yeah. part though it's like from like 314 to like three or to like four minutes i mean you don't have to play that whole part but that's yeah. the brainwasher segment yeah which and is then my, after that we can my favorite we can go to the next uh no you're up next after that too we can just jump yeah. in yours brainwasher fucking rolling man and then there's like a i like that section of the song too so, yeah so okay this is my slapper as well um the prime time of your life brainwasher rolling and scratching alive medley which i call p-t-o-y-l-n-b-r-a-s-a uh braza the p is silent um but I also, this is the, towards the end of this song, I guess that's the alive part section of the song. It really gave me the most Kraftwerk vibes. I think Kraftwerk is an easy comparison to these guys, but they're really pretty much different. They're not that similar to Kraftwerk, but it, I did put at the eight minute mark, there's very much a craft Kraftwerk synth sound that happens on this song. That part right there. Just a little softer, synthy sound. They probably use like the same exact synth as Kraftwerk for that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly, I think that Kraftwerk is part of the, their DNA for sure. I mean, just based alone on, you know, the, I mean, the way that they present themselves, like there's a lot of parallels there. So I think it, it doesn't, Kraftwerk's one of those influences on, you know, electronic music because they almost kind of have to be because they like literally like program like their own synths, right? Didn't they like develop like yeah software basically? Yeah, they were all kind of tech heads and they all were, yeah, certainly they were doing it at the forefront of a lot of it. I mean, coming out of the 70s they really they remind me really... of uh of uli kunkel's <laughs> autobahn autobahn yeah, autobahn uli kunkel uli um all right so i'm so that's up... a more nihilistic sounding sounding band <laughs> check them out i'm up for slappers what else do i have as a slapper i think we mentioned all of mine for the most part i guess have we heard the uh, do we hear face to face short circuit song number seven? No, but I will say that short circuit, the, the track itself from there. Um, I think that's on discovery. I, I really love that track. So, yeah. And also on that song, they have another faster, stronger kind of reworking in there. That's cool. 
And then at the, if Adrian, if you could play at like the 335 mark, it really reminds me of Prince. It, they get the Prince synth sound like that you find on uh, Sign of the Times. Like it almost sounds like a sample from the song Sign of the Times by Prince. Yeah, let's so hear a little of that. That really reminds me of Prince synth. Or Dorothy Parker, probably. Yeah. Dorothy Parker. Hold on. See, that's the type of synth I like. That soft, warmer sounding synth. I love that. That's it's like a cool little groove. And it comes at a, the halfway point in the album. So it's almost like the the audience needs a break. They're probably like a couple people have passed out or they're like, dude, you guys got to slow it down for the the chill out tent is, is at yeah, capacity. Out. <laughs> yeah. We're running the out eye of the storm, juice. huh? <laughs> yeah. We're running out of Perrier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Before we get into our uh, the next segment, we're getting to our wax. What or so there are some honorable mentions. Uh, I definitely think we all have some. What are yeah. some that you guys got? I have a curio here that I think a band we covered on this show already, The Rapture. I think they sample uh, a Kraftwerk segment, or maybe Kraftwerk sampled it, so it might be a sample of a sample of a sample. But clearly, Papa Murphy Whoa. DFA was, was inspired by Daft Punk. They have the uh, you know the Daft Punk is playing at my house song. But around the two thirty mark of the song Defunk slash Dafton Dirk or whatever that song is, it sounds pretty much identical to that the Rapture song, uh, the Killing that we talked about in a previous episode which I thought was, was kind of curious. I mean, I guess, you know, LCD sound system is very much indebted to Daft Punk. I'm sorry, that was 2.15 was the time stamp? Uh, around, yeah, 2.15, 2.30 mark, I think I got gotcha. that right. Yeah. It sounds like The Killing, that Got to Got to Know, that song. No, remember that? Totally. I think they straight up sampled that. Yeah, I think it is a sample, but same sample. Daft Punk might also be sampling it. It sounds like a Street yeah. Fighter sound effect or something. Like, yeah, sounds like totally. they got that from a video game or something. Yeah, I was gonna say a yeah. lot of these tracks sound like they could be TV show theme songs or video game. Yeah, you know, creating sure. the castle songs like and it and sick. Like I, I love that about it. It it sounds fucking fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they're like a lot of like fire. Daft Punk. They, they they really achieve that high and low art thing that a lot of musicians go for. Yeah, where it's like they're wearing Saint Laurent leather jackets, but they're also sampling video games, and you know they're very much that high and low thing that few artists i think all musicians strive for it but few actually achieve it like i'd say like like lou reed achieves it because he's quoting like poets and shit but he's also like a the street poet i think uh i don't know elvis presley maybe elvis a little bit but lou reed elvis presley (laughs) you know what i'm saying that like high art meets low art 
Yeah, they definitely bridge it really well. I like this um, podcast. I think these are, you know, very much in spirit <laughs> with this podcast. I know. But we're lowbrow, lowbrow. Let's take it to the gutter, guys. Yeah. What you got to understand is... Fucking uh, mud. Uh, well, I did have an honorable mention, actually, uh, which I think... Um, Actually, I think I, you guys may disagree with me on this one, but I liked Television Rules of Nation slash Crescendals. Uh, the reason being is that these two songs I got were no on, beef with that. Uh, well, Television Rules of Nations on Human After All, and it, on that record, I think it's kind of it doesn't it doesn't quite have the same liveliness that it has here, and the, and yeah. putting it next to Crescendals, which is a, a a really I really love the the kind of bonkers. Um, aspect of that track so i think this helped reconceptual recontextualize you know sexualize. one of their older songs sexualize one of their older songs um, <laughs> i didn't love this song i thought this is a dud um i don't i didn't love when they s- go for the guitar solo sound like it sounded like butt rock <laughs> i see too. i i eat that shit that's up kind of their thing though that's kind of i kind of like when they get butt rocky with, with the synths i think that's yeah, like a see, kind I of a cool love flex that. i didn't love that butt rocky guitar sound um well, you've never so, yeah, worked I'll, construction I'll, before brother <laughs> i'll play a little bit of this um this is the television rules of nation section Like you're not getting vocals there, um, but it just oh, you can just kind of tell from that section that it has this anthemic feel that I really appreciate. Um, what vocals kind of sucked on that for me? That, but that's with when that, the like the robot voice the got great. rhythm, but also with the crowd at the time, it kind of creates. It sounds like a like a football chant in a way. It sounds yes, like, that's true. Like it what you would actually hear that. at a soccer stadium if this band wasn't playing, like you know, Football the next stadium. night or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, just kind well, of here's cool. a, as long here's as those fans of, weren't like neo-fascists or whatever. <laughs> here's a little bit of the crescendals section of the song. So I don't know. I I just really like how they. Yeah, so I like I just like how they mix those two songs, which on paper don't really seem like they would make sense together, but the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition just kind of works. Um, so that's why I kind of had it on the honorable mention. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I don't disagree that it's kind of eh, it's a kind of a take it or leave it song, but you know, I, I think it's worth mentioning just for the fact that it does does it so does the mix so well and highlights a track that was you know didn't have didn't get a lot of love before, but once it's put into the spotlight here it, it actually starts to work so yeah i think it's contexted live it sounds it sounds dope and that was I'll also f- my what's up now go ahead go ahead, go ahead. Uh, oh i was gonna say in, in terms of like also what i had as honorable mentions are things that work not great songs on their own but functionally within the the context of a live album um which i think are really cool is just like the, the intro song like i i think it just like really sets the tone in a super fun way um you know it's kind of a throwaway song but like the human robot iron man voices going back and forth i think it's a cool little trick they do and 
yeah, so that's my honorable mention. The television rules the nation got me thinking about like all those rock and roll songs about like TV being like the opiate of the masses, like <laughs> like the Springsteen song, like fifty seven channels and nothing on, or the um, <laughs> what's the Dire Straits song, the like MTV oh, song, money for nothing, chicks for free. Like, we gotta move these televisions. I'm in all seriousness. We need to do some sort of Mark Knopfler or Dire Straits related episode. The Knopf. <laughs> We've really off. Off. Maybe we can do I'm that. Knopf. He does say the Knock F. Knock it off. His biggest. Oh, he drops hit a heart. Is, he drops a heart. That's a hard F. Hard F. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah. Is that it for okay. Deaths? Yeah. Well, that was honorable mentions. What's now up? We'll get into yeah. Shit. Shit. Did you have anything? Well, let's no, uh, I think kind of went everything. Uh, I, yeah. I think I said everything. Let me let me consult my notes real quick. If there's this any great radio, if there's any <laughs> curious timestamps that I wanted to highlight something. Nah, I got it all. The ease worn off. That all I wanted to say. I'm done. I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> Taxi. Can he call me new? <laughs> All right, we have some, we have a couple more segments to get through, so I'm going to get Noah gin and tonic, and then after the break, we'll go into uh, what are, what is whack. What is whack? And we're back to whack, Adrian. What's whack? So, I didn't really have a, a whack per se, but I did have one where I thought this one, um. And actually, it's interesting because you guys both called it out as uh, uh, some one of the ones that you guys liked a lot um, is too long steam machine. Oh, we're gonna fight. <laughs> steam so I don't machine. disagree that uh, with you guys. Wait, I thought he being... was saying Steve McQueen, steam machine, <laughs> like the uh, director or the actor. Probably in their <laughs> case, it'd be Bullet. the actor. Um, but anyways. Uh, to me, I don't know. I I like the track a lot, and I I don't disagree with you your slapper, you know, rating. But I don't know. It, it it was the one track where I was like, if I if this was gone, would I miss it? Probably not. But then again, you know, you could probably say that about Burnin slash Too Long, um, which has the, a similar kind of thing. Yeah, the beginning of Burning got on my nerves. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I, I would say those two are interchangeable for me in terms of like if we drop this section, would we really miss it? And it's like, meh, I think that it would be all right. But it, I, you know, I, I didn't think that it, there was actually any whack really on this record at all. I think it's pretty solid, you know, front to back. It's long, but if you, you know, if you want to sit down and listen to it or if you want to break it apart, like it, it just works. So yeah, it's my two cents. Do you want to hear maybe the intro to burning? Because that that's that section kind of got on my nerves. It yeah. won me back by the time too long drops, which I think too long is a good song. It has those weird vocal drops that are like kind of subtle, mm-hmm. and they also reprise too long again on the album a few songs later. Here's that intro to burning. It's like annoying. Some of that Niles Roger guitar. Yeah, totally. 
<laughs> There's like a siren sound that annoyed me. This little. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, not great. Well, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, it's not bad, but it's also, and it also the thing is, is like with anything on this record, like if you don't, if you're not digging it, just wait like 30, 40 seconds. They're probably going to go in another groove or switch it up in a way that maybe you'll like it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I totally go, get another, go get another Calvados at the bar. Like one of those <laughs> dumb, <laughs> like one of those dumb flyover states where the people say, if you don't like the weather, just give it 15 minutes. Yeah, much like Santa Maria, California. <laughs> no, the weather's <laughs> fucking 70 degrees year round, baby. That's true. That is true. Uh, Noah, do you have any whackers? My wax. Um, yeah. I, by the last two songs, maybe it was just a little fatigue and I was kind of like over it. I'd also say the first like three songs took me a while to get into. Like, I think my absolute dud is television rules the nation TVRTN, but we already discussed that song. So I would say song number 12, the superheroes slash human after all slash rock and row. I'm just not crazy about their guitar samples that yeah you seem point. really it seems to really great for you it's like it's weird it's the same thing i have such a fraught relationship with like van halen where it's like i know that eddie mm. van halen is a guitar god but like sometimes i guitar just god. yeah guitar god shout out jay johnson uh hey <laughs> free jay johnson <laughs> um, <laughs> but um if you don't just, know what we're talking about, just Google that. And if you're a Mr. Show fan, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, first of all, Google Mr. Show Guitar God. <laughs> what's his name? Steve Kinney says that. Was what's that guy's name? SpongeBob guy. Uh, oh, uh, Greg Kinney. Some whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. But um, SpongeBob. Yeah, it's just the same thing I have with like you know guitar god stuff like those virtuosic players that can sound like soulless sometimes i think like eddie van halen or like joe bonamasso or whatever <laughs> that type of uh Wait, joe satriani <laughs> no isn't there somebody named like bonamasso, joe bonamasso? <laughs> isn't there a guy named like bonamasso I t- it sounds sure. right so i'll go with it just those the who- when people are on the cover of like Guitar Magazine, I'm just like, man, those virtuoso <laughs> players, like you know, Joey Bossanova over here, Bossamano, yeah, yeah, Joe Bossamano. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting because, like, for me, I, I like I like how over the top is. I think it works since it is like kind of like, oh, they're they're robots, so they can do it. Like Caleb was saying, like they can kind of do this crazy shit that, yeah, yeah like yeah, the Eddie Van Halen type shit. But I could I totally, guess I, I just totally found it, it. kind of dull. I don't know. And the just the last two songs feel like like I said earlier, like the uh the encores where it's kinda tacked on. Well, I think track thirteen is is technically a bonus track slash encore track. So you're not wrong about that. Um and that one is very long. it's ten minutes long. So yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you want to hear some of song twelve? I didn't do it the timestamp when the guitars come in, but I don't know. Just play whatever first minute yeah let's uh go let's to go. a minute and six minutes in or nine minutes in 
69 seconds in. A minute and nine minutes? <laughs> a minute and nine seconds. I'm no you good real I mean. hunting, but uh, that sounds like <laughs> 10 minutes to me. <laughs> How do you like them apples? All right, here's... Uh, Welcome back to the uh, Damon podcast. <laughs> Dig through the ditches of hell. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds like butt rock, Marilyn Manson. Shit. Yeah, yeah, it's like me. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. Let's, let's 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 go to the towards the end of the track and see what we got here. Rock and roll. <laughs> More of the same. Yeah, pretty much the same. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. <laughs> All right, well, let's try the middle then. <laughs> <laughs> that escape in that groove <laughs> do you ever um, think sometimes their equipment just fucks up <laughs> it's literally just yeah like, it's like dude i need another it's like, oh, need that another. was killer like, that last thing we repeated it forever that was good yeah who cares just leave it or i see what like, you mean they, though yeah sorry go ahead no, no, it's like, oh, I need to reload. I need to reload the windows on my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> control, um, delete. <laughs> a lot of this uh, music sounds like a self-destruct in funny. It's five, like, four. <laughs> it's like the end of uh, Alien. It's like the Nostromo <laughs> soundtrack. Yeah. Well, I will say that I do. I get what you're saying, Noah. Like, the, it, I mean, just from those those two those three snippets that we heard like obviously it's it's very a pounding kind of beat and stuff like at this point in the record like i think you're right i think at this point you're like i kind of want to just chill now like let's yeah. let's, let's go home yeah let's hit the, the off ramp room yeah it's cold <laughs> the fog just said let's in get back on the, on the let's get on back the on the tube yeah on the pitch <laughs> the pitch must have been fucked up for the next day's football game though right <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like what you were saying where, when we were all watching the Super Bowl together, and you're like, dude, the, the fucking fifth, future. <laughs> the weekend. Fucking the weekend. The the fix is in. The answers are fucking up the field for the second. The fix is in. <laughs> the fix is in. Uh, uh, speaking of flops, um, let's go into my flop. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I just, I'll keep it short because I don't like this song. Everyone knows this song. Uh, and that's one more time. What? And, you don't like uh, that song? No, it's it's too corny. I think it flies too close to the sun. I don't like Romanthony. Like, uh, I don't know. Rest just like in terms of like the the yeah. super legend, poppy so kind Caleb. of Euro trash shit. It it just it's yeah. I don't know. It sticks in my craw, and it's like it sounds like a workout class that I'll never go to. It sounds like every spin, fucking like spin class, spin yeah <laughs> Zumba. It sounds like a wedding I don't want to be at. Like I don't know. It's just not so, my vibe. Wait, that well, wedding, like said, somebody's uh, definitely holding the bag, though, at least. <laughs> make yeah, but like, I didn't get it. I was like, oh, shit, you guys pass it around. Oh, fuck. Oh, never mind. Fuck um, Caleb, if you d- would indulge me, I have the original uh, album inter- uh, album review on Pitchfork of um, the, the album Discovery, which has cool. Around the World. And it's by our old buddy Shribes. You mean one more oh, time? Shribes. Yeah, one more time. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, one more time. It's by our old buddy Shribes. Like and subscribe. Hashtag 
Um, but so he basically he starts the review and the whole first paragraph is just the lyrics to one more time where it's like I'm just feeling celebration tonight, celebrate, don't wait too late. We don't stop, you can't stop. So he just he just writes out all the lyrics. And then the second paragraph is this. He says Daft Punk seemed to be operating under the premise that if you hear something enough times, you'll start to believe it. But after more than 15 listens to Discovery's first single and opening track, One More Time, vocorded vocalist Roman Anthony doesn't have me feeling the need, much less not waiting, celebrating, and dancing so free. This could just be me, of course. Maybe I just haven't taken enough ecstasy and horse tranquilizers to appreciate the tinny. A bad mix. Don't ever do that. The tinny sampled uh, brass ensemble, the too sincere chill out midsection, or the fat drum machine beats that throb in time with my headache. Wow. So I don't feel, I don't, yeah, I don't feel that <laughs> negatively about it because I know how to like mix my, my drugs, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It yeah, it doesn't work for me. Maybe for those reasons. Maybe not as extreme. But if you just want to give us a little taste, Adrian, to take us into uh, the rating yeah, section um, after time. that, just give me like a minute at a marker. One minute. Yeah, here's a little bit of the smash hit. One more time. Okay, there's also Undertaker on this. The bells tolling. Yeah, that song opens though with the Undertaker bells. It's like the boom, boom, the church bells. Which is the second thought, album in a row that's featured. I thought Caleb Undertaker like. features. I like that part, and then it just disappoints me. Oh, <laughs> Colgan. Shane McMahon. Andre the Giant. Stephanie McMahon. How dare you disrespect the Dark Lord of Wrestling? All right. Speaking of Dark Lords, let's go into our uh, into our dark ratings. What do you guys give this album? One to ten. I give it an eight point baby. Nice. Uh, I think you know they gave it an eight point five. I think that's pretty pretty close. On a, I'm gonna say eight point six. I think it's just a little bit better than an eight point five, but you know, it's not quite the level of of some of their. I don't know. It's a solid record. It's a great live record. It's a great, you know, primer for their their sound. So I think it fits right in the you know in the eight point five eight point six range. So I'm gonna go eight point six. I'm going to quote one of my favorite movies, Tombstone. And I think one of the tombstones says, you got to back your brother's play. So I'm also going to give it an eight. <laughs> and that's nice. going to bring us to Huckle Ada Berry. There you go. <laughs> that's going to give us to a grand total of 8.2. 
that's Not pretty bad. much solid for, for a, a live album. album yeah. I think that's pretty up there. I think there, that's the standard actually. rating. Yeah. yeah. For like an established band doing a live album. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty but, standard. But, you know, we all know that 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 scale, that scoring, that rating is completely superfluous. <laughs> what really matters is this scale, the smooth scale. So, would you rather listen to the number of tracks on this album or listen to Grammy Award-winning 1999 hit Smooth by Carlos Santana featuring Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20 from the platinum album Supernatural an equal amount of times? Uh, yeah, I think this Smooth could fit sampled right in here easily. And actually, if I was Santana, I'd feel disrespected. Like, you can't hit up homie for random access memories. Like, all <laughs> Like I'm, I'm friends with Niles. Yeah, you hit up Niles. <laughs> I'm friends with him. Each other. Fucking, we're guitar gods. Let us jam on the fucking track. Yeah, Holy. Mexicans like disco too, man. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I'm this is you. of a piece. I would li gladly listen to this album for an hour and a half, and then listen to Smooths for an hour and a half. <laughs> right. What I would do personally is listen to I would do smooth about 6.5 times and how that works is you know like how each song has another song on this it's like this song slash something each yeah. and every song would be slash smooth so they'd somehow incorporate the the drum break or the, yeah. the greasy guitars whatever they would they would find a way I'm sure they could find a way to put smooth into and you got each and every one of the these crowd tracks. would go crazy if it was just like one more time <laughs> <laughs> you just like that <laughs> yeah absolutely but think out there's so many different parts in smooth that you could like break into so many different parts on this album so yeah there's got to be a mashup yeah. out there that you can just Google. One more time, like an app. smooth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> smooth, smooth and lucky, or some shit like yeah, that. Smooth yeah, smooth and lucky. I'm up on that to get smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Thomas is work. playing live. Right, what about and he just does a cover of Lucky? Yeah, like at a wedding or whatever, like in Napa. We're up on no, that. I, I think these days. I think I'm gonna take it all away. I'm gonna say, break smooth apart. Take take bits pieces. Take Rob Thomas. Take the guitar <laughs> solo. Take you know. Take uh, all of it uh, and just sprinkle it throughout the the live record. Yeah. Just a little taste here and there. Little bumps. Little bumps. Little bumps. And then once you get to the end, then replace that last song that we were talking about um, dropping or not not really digging, and put smooth in there and boom, and on a bang. You know, I think it works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, I get it. That's that's a good call. And uh, yeah, moving on. Um, so, you know, we like to cap it off with a ha whatever happened to this band. We kind of touched on earlier. I mean, they had this live album. Did they have an album in between that and the huge one? Or did they just kind of do the live music thing? And they um, or they did the Tron. They did the Tron. Yes, that's that's exactly um, that's exactly right. They that was kind of their next big project is the Tron Legacy. I Legacy, what is the name yeah. of them? Legacy. The, the Tron yeah. Supremacy. So I think no, that was kind of Legacy. it's interesting because that kind of set them on the path to random access memories, kind of the Disneyfication or <laughs> you know, kind of like that's what happened, right? Like they they. They and made that record, Tron's even a though Disney that, that property. 
yeah, well, exactly. But even though the, the record itself, Wait, so does this mean that sound... uh, Daft Punk is part of the um, the cinematic yes. universe? Oh yeah, of... they're are they part of the MCU? Of MCU or Star Wars? I mean, uh... you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they they pop up and when they popped up in one of those movies, but. I do um, have a connection. You know the Simpsons joke where Homer gets sucked into that 3D world in the Treehouse of Horrors. Yeah, and he's like, it's like, has it, anybody seen the movie Tron? Nobody's <laughs> like, oh no. And then Wiggum Officer, he's like, yes. He's like, I mean, no. Yes, I mean no. Then years later, Disco Stew appears on the Simpsons wearing a. Uh, Daft Punk robot helmet. Yeah. It was full Whoa. circle on the Tron. Full circle. I mean, and kind honestly, the, if it wasn't for the Simpsons, me and Adrian want to be friends. Me and Noah want to be brothers because that's like <laughs> the only thing we have in common throughout the years is being able to quote the shit out of that show. That's yeah. the blue baby. Course, yeah, what a- season. Season uh, 15 through 35, right? That's what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I like the back, back half of the catalog. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, like they have that huge album. Mm-hmm. And they had that huge hit that was just like fucking everywhere. And then they did a cool thing. They didn't do anything. And then they came back and were like, oh, we're breaking up, which is a fucking baller move. Like, honestly, that's like, I, I wish I could go on vacation. I wish uh, I could go on vacation for like six weeks and be like, oh, by the way, my yeah, last day is... was also my last day of work. Do you think it's because me and Kiki were talking about this and she was like, yeah, like, why would a band nowadays ever break up just because you can like stay internet famous and like right always have a reunion tour in your back pocket and so we were talking about it's like it must have been like a legit business decision where they have they had like speculative investors in them performing live shows like it was a package and so they couldn't like meet that they probably like it was almost like they had I don't want to say like a loan out there, but it was like, well, your your tours make like 40 they million. They have their own crypto, year. Noah. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, I <laughs> think it's just like, like the the future coin. I think it was like some speculation investing on their parts that was guaranteed money if they were going to tour in the next few years. But now they can't tour and they like didn't want to tour in the first place. So it's like we might as right. well call it quits. I think it was like a strictly a a weird business thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if they like dropped the album within the next year. It's like a- <laughs> right. Cause there's a whole like industry of bands breaking up and then also not really breaking up and getting back together. Right. Uh, well, is- how long do you think until the announcement of them getting back together? What's the over and under? Noah, you like you're the action guy. You're the gambler here, Noah. What's the over and under on that? Two and a half years. And it might be a situation where it's 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 them, but it's like not them. They just like don't Oh, they do an MF Doom kind of they'll produce a track (laughs) and and they'll say it's not them, but it actually is them. Oh yeah. Just Gee or whatever. Well, I mean, he did I forget which one of them, but they did have the hit. Uh, that one hit that was, I think, under the Stardust uh, name, where it was just one of them. Um, and it's, I mean, it sounds exactly like Daft Punk, but it is a fucking banger of a song too. Um, music sounds better with you, right? Is the, I think uh, is that the, yeah, the track? I think I remember that. It was about ecstasy. <laughs> um, but it was ecstasy. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they pop up doing the kind of danger mouse thing of like, yeah, now we're going to, you know, record. Oh, just be in-house DJs. Yeah. 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 Right on. So before we uh, close it out with a game, you had uh, hinted at this earlier. No, we should have like a little, a little uh, ranking. So um, yeah. What, what top five headgears for, uh, for bands. Okay. Here's one. Just Why don't we all go around? Um, we'll each do one. So that'll be one through three and then um, oh, we'll okay. each do another one and then we'll, then we'll, then we'll trim the list down. All right. I have one headgear well we mentioned them earlier i'm gonna go with mark knopfler's headband <laughs> pretty his iconic neon, his neon headband <laughs> that becomes um like crayon colored <laughs> yeah <laughs> day glow his day glow headband nice adrian what say you uh well the one that came to mind that we didn't mention earlier although we've mentioned him on the pod before is ghostface when he used to do the fencing mask i always thought oh, that was yeah. a sick look he went um, from the nylon to the fencing mask yeah, yeah. He, he'd come up he had like the fencing mask and the hoodie on and that's pretty it's a pretty hard, tough look um, i'm gonna go with africa mumbata um he had a like a whole story of headgears but the specific <laughs> one that's insane is like he has like the uh lavar burton from star trek like he has oh, the, like, yeah. those glasses oh, glasses and, those like yeah and he has like a viking helmet on which has like a window with a little mirror in it it's all over the fucking place but it's great <laughs> so i'm gonna go with that nice, nice. so uh, we got two left what can we all agree on well, we mentioned Devo, right? The little yeah, they got to go yeah, to all of Devo. Had, that's so that's that's an all timer for the sure. Red cup hat. Um, do 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 do. Then I had one. I was thinking of oh, the dude from uh, Treat Cheap Trick. He always just wore the ball cap. Oh, the oh, little the guy with the, the little newsy, the, the little um, hat, the yeah. double guitar guy. What he had the little. There's like the painter's cap, right? Yeah, the little five panel hat. <laughs> <laughs> he he kind of did the five panel before the five panel, but it was like flipped up too. Yeah, so yeah. It was like a, a biker like hat. vibe. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. he was one of the two weird looking dudes. What's that guy's name? Not Xander. It's the other. Oh fuck! What's his name? Yeah, he's a sick guitarist actually. Well, he's uh, got Rick seven of them built into one. So. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was Rick Neil. His name was uh, Rick Nielsen. Yeah, right. He's related to the Nielsen yeah. twins. I was gonna All say. Right. I was gonna say maybe like some like like Bootsy's uh, top hat or Slash's uh, top yeah. hat. Bootsy's hat, iconic, you know. Yeah. Um, but Bootsy's, you know, uh, American flag top hat. I'll, I'll say that one. <laughs> yeah. I got the one I gotta throw out there is uh, Mike Muir from uh, Suicidal Tendencies, like the the bandana that you oh. can't even see out of yeah. your eyes. <laughs> Like, that is a that's, tough look that's right a there. Sick look. <laughs> <laughs> and very impractical. So it's just for performance. But I don't know. Also signals to people don't fuck with me. So, I don't know. I don't think we need a top five. I think everything we listed is of equal yeah. rank. What are some honorable mentions? Uh headgear. Uh the dude's like pilot ear earmuffs from um Mission of Burma. Oh yeah, the dude that was uh, <laughs> his like noise canceling. <laughs> uh, the Kanye MAGA hat, of course, classic. 
Yeah, Kanye <laughs> Shout out. Um, also, you got to do like all the like just the it's like the whole category is like all the L.A. like raps dudes with like the like crazy expensive like yeah. your Don Wazes or your Johnny Depp. There's a lot of top hat uh, fuckers. Like all there. your like yeah. Mick Jagger wore a top hat for a little minute. What like about a, like um, the bucket the hat though? We didn't uh, talk about the bucket hat. We don't need to oh, talk boy, about oh, LL Cool J. Yeah, LL Cool J, of course, the originator. Well, he's the the. Oh, I thought you were talking about Buckethead. No, Buckethead. Oh, that, that counts as head here. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I re- recently listened to um, some Buckethead albums. I was just like, I've never listened to Buckethead. Oh, I, I went for no. it. You know, who has good he- headgear, but it's Knock later, it. later era. Is um. What's his name from ZZ Top? He wears that weird. Oh, Billy Gibbs. Oh, oh, he wears like the the furry, like, furry it's like a beanie. Fez. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like spiky haired beanie. It's like a yeah. furry fez or some some. It's like shit a like, that. like a Guy Fieri toupee or something. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it's Billy yeah. Gibbons. Um, yeah. it's so he didn't start doing that till like the nineties for some reason. That'd be <laughs> yeah, because he used to just wear like a cowboy hat and then he's yeah. like, yeah, uh, those guys are. They Did got he a invent good that? Do you have like a patent or something? Is like a <laughs> yeah, they're probably branded. It's like Billy Gibbons crazy beanie. He's like, I signed a Come thirty-year contract to wear this crazy beanie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Noah, game master, you got a game for us this week? I do, and I hope you guys like it. It's a fun one. I I think it's called Daft Punk or Punk, and I'll give you a factoid. And you have to tell me, is it a daft punk fact, a daft fact, or is it a punk fact? And for a bonus point, you can name the punk band that the fact mm. is about. What is if a daft? What is? What do you mean by daft? Daft punk. What do you mean? Either a daft punk fact or a or punk a band punk fact. fact. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Word. Oh, that could have been a good way to play it, though, Caleb. I just give you a daft. I don't even know what daft means. So like a, a I just stupid, know a stupid fact. Horribly. <laughs> okay, here Anyways. we go. You guys ready? You'll get yep. the hang of it once I start. Yep. Okay, here we go. Fact number one. David Bowie once personally rang their studio to ask them to remix one of his songs. They politely declined. Is that a daft fact or a punk fact? I'm going to say that's a punk fact. And I'm I'm going to say it's a daft punk because you used the word. Oh, shit. No, go ahead, Caleb. Caleb? I want to say it's a daft punk fact because it was remix. Yeah, it is a daft. It is a daft fact. Can you imagine they had turned down Bowie? That sounds crazy. What band did you think it was, Adrian? No, because yeah. I think I, I'm thinking of like I'm thinking of like when uh, Bowie asked Iggy to record his record. Uh, uh, I thought yeah. that maybe oh, there was something right. about like maybe he asked the Stooges to be uh, to remix the song, but that's that makes sense. Okay, here we go. Once appeared in a Gap advertisement with Juliet Lewis. Uh, that's a daft fact. I think I dropped that one already, Caleb. That's also a punk fact because Juliet Lewis is punk, so that's both. <laughs> so I'm What's told. What's her band? The Licks. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody's ever heard <laughs> Juliet Lewis and the Licks. Her band, yep. But boy, does she love to promote them. <laughs> if, if 
any of our listeners that is their favorite band please come on the show we will do a whole yes, episode please what is yes what we will even, what even we will do an intervention <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay here we go factoid number three after getting into a fight in london outside of a jam show this group was thrown in jail and wrote the song london dungeon one of their spookiest songs to date. <laughs> well, I think this one's pretty clearly a punk fact. Um, Caleb, what's I'm going to go with the punk fact. I don't know much about the jam. I think the jam actually never made any albums. They're just a t-shirt, right? <laughs> no, they <have laughs> with that band? Uh, in the city or something. Oh, one of okay. them. Um, it is a punk fact. Can you guys name the band? London Dungeon. Like, I know London I've heard that song Dungeon. before. London Dungeon. I'm going to go with, like, The Damned. Is it um, The Buzzcocks? No. Caleb, you said The Damned. It's actually yep. The Misfits. Oh, oh shit, of course. Yeah. Of course. Shit. Low die, It's also Jazzy. obvious now. Low die, New Jersey. All right, here we go. Factoid number four. Shout out that video of Danzig getting punched out. Always funny. Yeah, yep. That's always funny. Also, yeah. shout out the video of Danzig showing everyone his book collection. <laughs> yes. I had it coming. I want an oral history of Danzig getting knocked out backstage. It's called The Oral History. Danzig. I had it coming. <laughs> okay, here we go. Appeared in a big budget Adidas ad. Alongside David Beckham, Snoop, and Snoop Dogg, and the ad was set in the Moss Eisley Cantina from Star Wars. Daft or punk? I'm gonna go with punk, and that was <laughs> um, Merle Allen and the <laughs> Texas word I can't say. Are they even <laughs> punk? What the fuck are those? Idiot. <laughs> it's shock rock. That's a red flag. Enough. Yeah. Ladies, ladies, gentlemen, whatever, non-cis. Anybody, if you, any person dating a person, and if they mention that they're a legitimate fan of uh, the murder junkies and all that, get out. Get out. <laughs> Run for the hills. That is trash. Uh, What's his yeah, name? What's the guy's name? Gigi Allen. Merle, Merle Allen. Merle is his brother. Um, I'm going to say that was a daft fact. Just to... That was a daft fact. I didn't yeah. look up the commercial, but it sounds hilarious. Yeah, I don't remember that. It seems like it would be memorable, but who knows? All right. Like, I coincidentally have seven pairs of Sambas. <laughs> fact number five. Before settling on their final name, they went by the names Duct Tape and Figure Eight. I don't know if that's a punk. punk fact. Yeah, I think that's a punk fact. It is, in fact, a punk fact. Can you name the band? Tape or figure eight. So they're kind of dumb. <laughs> they're a seminal punk band. Yeah, I was going to say minor oh, threat. Seminal. I think I'm going to stick with that. Close. I'm going to go with um, Black Flag. 
close. Blink 182. <laughs> oh, yeah, very close, yeah, very oh, close to both of those bands. More of a seminal than a seminal punk band, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and of course, they were called Blink, but I believe like some Euro punk band was also called Blink, so they tacked on the 182. Okay, number six. A member of this group is rumored to be of aristocratic stock. And his ancestors are thought to have ridden against Henry V at Agincourt. Daft or punk? I mean, just with those names, it has to be a daft <laughs> fact, right? Caleb? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, it's Gee from Daft. Yeah, it's Gee Man. Gee Man. Okay, fact number seven. The demon. This group are Barry Manilow fans. Uh, daft fact? I'm going with like punk, and it's like the Dead Kennedys. <laughs> it, it, it is a daft punk. They are their daft punk was quoted as saying like, "We can admit we're Barry Manilow fans," and then they oh they this, yeah because. They went on, on discovery the to sample one of his uh one of his songs. Yeah, but they went on the screen how too many bands are trying to be cool and they don't embrace their influences, like Barry Manilow. <laughs> All right, here we go. Fact number eight: This band's robot helmets cost a reported sixty-five thousand dollars to produce, and were capable of displaying text and animation. Oh. Yeah. Caleb, you gotta think about this one. Punk. No, it is daft punk. 65 G's for those helmets. 65. Wow. That'd be a good movie. Somebody robs their helmets for a show. You know, it'd be great if somebody just gave $65,000 to a punk band from like the 80s (laughs) in the 80s. It's like how quickly they all be dead. I'm pretty sure that's what like minor threat. Ian McKay's dad gave them to start Discord. Yeah. They're all little rich kids. All right, here we go. Former singer starred in films Bad Boys 2, Jackass the Movie, and Green Lantern, colon, Emerald Knights. Punk? I'm going to go with Punk, and that's uh, Joe Pantaleone. (laughs) He was an old downtown New York punk guy. Was that Iggy? No, it's Mr. Black Flag himself. Oh, Henry right. Rollins. No Henry shit. Rollins. No, yeah. Keith Morris. No, I'm just joking. Henry Rollins. <laughs> Keith Morris. All right, here we go. Final fact. Original band name was Ghost Kennedys. <laughs> Original band name was Ghost Kennedys. That is a punk fact. <laughs> Caleb? That is a punk fact for short-lived Santa Maria Valley punk band, um, the uh, Fun Machine. It was actually Reagan Youth. We're called Reagan Ghost, Youth. Ghost Kennedys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, and that's it for Damn. Daft or Punk. That was a that was a little teaser. So uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for getting through that with us. Uh, that was a good episode. It was fun to. Relive the live concert. We'll chop it up and release it in and... little three song verse <laughs> later. Yeah. Th- we want to hear a remix. Uh, let's get our fans out there to remix this. But uh, 
next week we stick around in 2007 to solve the puzzle of Bradford Cox and Company's Cryptograms by Deer Hunter. And uh, thank you wow. as always to Kiki Pettiford on Taveros of Horrible, Adorable, and uh, Solo Fame for our slapping theme song. Thank you to Adrian for all your stellar production work and happy birthday. Uh, check out our thank website, whackorslaps.com. Uh, make sure you're giving us a follow on our socials. We're just at whackorslaps. And uh, talk some shit to us through email at whackorslaps at gmail.com. And it's for fine Noah that and you regretted to thank me, Caleb. That is fine. <laughs> I was uh, about to do that. For Noah and Adrian, I am Caleb, and this has been Whack or Slaps. And as always, what made Milwaukee famous? Yeah, hit the music, babe. Bye.